Section thirty four of Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tech Savvy. Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume One Exploration of the World by Jules Verne. Second Part, Chapter Three. Part 1a The Polar Expeditions and the Search for the Northwest Passage Part 1a The North Men Pythias had opened up the road to the north to the Scandinavians by discovering Iceland, the famous Thule, and the Cronian Ocean of which the mud, the shallow water, and the ice render the navigation dangerous and where the nights are as light as twilight. The traditions of the voyages undertaken by the ancients to the Orkneys, the Faroe Islands, and even to Iceland were treasured up among Irish monks, who were learned men, and themselves bold mariners as their successive establishments in this archipelagos clearly prove. They were also the pilots of the North Men, a name given generally to the Scandinavian pirates, both Danish and Norwegian, who rendered themselves so formidable to the whole of Europe during the Middle Ages. But if all the information that we owe to the ancients, both Greeks and Romans, with regard to this Hyperborean countries be extremely vague and so to speak fabulous, it is not so with that which concerns the adventurous enterprises of the men of the North. The sagas, as the Icelandic and the Danish songs are called, are extremely precise, and the numerous data which we owe to them are daily confirmed by the archaeological discoveries made in America, Greenland, Iceland, Norway, and Denmark. This is a source of valuable information which was long unknown and unexplored, and of which we owe the revelation to the learned Dane, C. C. Raffin who has furnished us with the authentic facts of the greatest interest bearing on the pre-columbian discovery of america norway was poor and encumbered with population hence arose the necessity for a permanent emigration which should allow a considerable portion of the inhabitants to seek in more favored regions of the nourishment which a frozen soil denied them when they had found some country rich enough to yield them an abundant spoil they then returned to their own land and set out the following spring accompanied by all those who could be enticed either by the love of lucre the desire for of an easy life or by the thirst of strife intrepid hunters and fishermen accustomed to a dangerous navigation between the continent and the mass of islands which border it and appeared to defend it against the assaults of the ocean and across the narrow deep fiords which seem as though they were cut into soil itself by some gigantic sword they set out in those oak vessels, the sight of which made the people tremble who lived on the shores of the North Sea and the British Channel. Sometimes, decked, these vessels, long or short, large or small, were usually terminated in front by a spur of enormous size, about which the prow sometimes rose to a great height, taking the form of an S. The Hall Resninger 
for so they call the graphic representations so often met on the rocks of sweden and norway enable us to picture to ourselves these swift vessels which could carry a considerable crew such was the long serpent of olaf trigwesson which had thirty-two benches of rowers and held ninety men canute's vessel which carried sixty and the two vessels of Olaf and Saint, which carried sometimes two hundred men. The sea kings, as they often call these adventurers, lived on the ocean, never settling on shore, passing from the pillage of a castle to the burning of an abbey, devastating the coasts of France, ascending rivers, especially the Seine, as far as Paris, sailing over the Mediterranean as far as Constantinople, establishing themselves later in sicily and leaving traces of their incursions or their sojourn in all the regions of the known world piracy far from being as at the present day an act falling under the ban of the law was not only encouraged in that barbarous or half-civilized society but was celebrated in the songs of scalds who reserve their most enthusiastic eulogies for celebrating chivalrous struggles adventurous privateering and all the exhibitions of strength from the eighth century these formidable sea rovers frequented the groups of the orkney the hebrides the shetland and then the faroe islands where they met with the irish monks who had settled themselves there nearly a century earlier to instruct the idolatrous population in eight sixty one a norwegian pirate named nadod was carried by the storm towards an island covered with snow which he named snowland land of snow a name changed later to that of iceland land of ice there again the northmen found the irish monks under the name of papus in the cantons of papaya and papillae in gulf installed himself some years afterwards in the country and founded rishkiavik in eighteen eighty five the triumph of harold harfager who had just subjugated the whole of norway by force of arms brought a considerable number of malcontents to iceland they established there the republican form of government which had just been overthrown in their own country and which subsisted till twelve sixty one the epoch when iceland passed under the dominion of the kings of norway when established in iceland these bold fellows lovers of adventure and of long hunts in pursuit of seals and walrus retained their wandering habits and pursued their bold plans in the west where only three years after the arrival of ingolf Gumbjorn, discovered the snowy peaks of the mountains of greenland five years later eric the red banished from iceland for murder rediscovered the land in latitude sixty four degrees north of which Gumjorn had caught a glimpse the sterility of this ice-bound coast made him decide to seek a milder climate with a more open country and one producing more game in the south so he rounded Cape Farewell at the extremity of Greenland, established himself on the west coast, and built himself vast dwellings for himself and his companions, of which M. Jorgensen has discovered the ruins. This country was worthy at that period of the name of Greenland, which the Northmen gave to it, but the annual and great increase of the glaciers has rendered it since that epoch a land of desolation eric returned to iceland to seek his friends and in the same year that he returned to bratihalida for so he called his settlement 
fourteen vessels laden with emigrants came to join him it was a veritable exodus these events took place in the year one thousand as quickly as the resources of the country allowed of it the population of greenland increased and in eleven twenty one gauda the capital of the country became the seat of bezabric which existed until after the discovery of antilles by christopher columbus in nine eighty six jean harriolson who had come from norway to iceland to spend the winter with his father learned that the latter had joined eric the red in greenland without hesitation the young man again put to sea seeking at haphazard for a country of which he did not even know the exact situation and was cast by currents on coasts which we think must have been those of new scotland newfoundland and maine he ended however by reaching greenland where eric the powerful norwegian jarl reproached him for not having examined with more care countries of which he owed his knowledge to a happy accident of sea eric had sent his son Leif to the norwegian court so close at this time was the connection between the metropolis and the colonies the king who had been converted to christianity had just dispatched a mission to iceland charged to overthrow the worship of odin he committed to life's care some priests who were to instruct the greenlanders but scarcely had the young adventurer returned to his own country when he left the holy men to work out the accomplishment of their difficult task and the hearing of the discovery made by jorn he fitted out his vessels and went to seek for the lands which had been only imperfectly seen he landed first on a desolate and stony plain to which he gave the name of halulin of which we have no hesitation in recognizing as newfoundland and afterwards on a flat sandy shore behind which rose an immense screen of dark forests cheered by the songs of innumerable birds a third time he put to sea and steering towards the south he arrived at the bay of rhode island where the mild climate and the river teeming with salmon induced him to settle and where he constructed vast buildings of planks which he called lives life's house then he sent some of his companions to explore the country and they returned with the good news that the wild wine grows in the country to which it owes the name of winland in the spring of the year one thousand one life having laded his ship with skins grapes wood and other productions of the country set out for greenland he had made the valuable observation that the shortest day in winland lasted nine hours which places the site of livesbude at forty one degrees twenty four minutes ten seconds this fortunate voyage and the salvage of a norwegian vessel carrying fifteen men gained for life the surname of the fortunate this expedition made a great stir and the account of the wonders of the country in which leif had settled induced his brother thorwald to set out with thirty men after passing the winter at livesbude thorwald explored the coasts to the south returning in the autumn to vinland and in the following year one thousand and four he sailed along the coast to the north of livesbude during this return voyage the northmen met the esquimaux for the first time and without any provocation slaughtered them without mercy the following night they found themselves all at once surrounded by a numerous flotilla of kayaks from which came a cloud of arrows 
Thorvald alone, the chief of the expedition, was mortally wounded. He was buried by the companions on a promontory to which they gave the name of the promontory of the cross now in the gulf of boston in the eighteenth century a tomb of masonry was discovered in which with the bones was found a sword hilt of iron the indians not being acquainted with this metal it could not be one of their skeletons it was not either the remains of one of the europeans who had landed after the fifteenth century for their swords had not this very characteristic form this tomb has been thought to be that of the Scandinavian, and we venture to say that of Thorvald, son of Eric the Red. In the spring of 1007, three vessels carrying 160 men and some cattle left Eriksford. The object in view was the foundation of a permanent colony. The emigrants, after sighting Haluland, Markland and Winland landed in an island upon which they constructed some barracks and began the work of cultivation. But they must either have laid their plans badly, or have been wanting in foresight, for the winter found them without provisions, and they suffered cruelly from hunger. They had, however, the good sense to regain the continent, where in comparative ease they could await the end of the winter." at the beginning of one thousand and eight they set out to seek for lives buddha and settled themselves at the mount hope bay on opposite shore to the old settlement of life there for the first time some intercourse was held with the natives called skrellings in the sagas and whom from the manner in which they are portrayed it is easy to recognize as exquamox the first meeting was peaceable and the barter was carried on with them until the day when the desire of exquamox to acquire iron hatchets always prudently refused them by the north men drove them to acts of aggression which decided the newcomers after three years of residence to return to their own country which they did without leaving behind any lasting trace of their stay in the country it will be easily understood that we cannot give any detailed account of all the expeditions which set out from greenland and succeeded each other on the coasts of labrador and the united states those of our readers who wish for circumstantial details should refer to m gabriel gravier's interesting publication the most complete work on the subject and from which we have borrowed all that relates to the norman expeditions the same year as eric the red landed in greenland nine eighty three a certain harry marson being driven out of the ordinary cause by storms was cast upon the shores of a country known by the name of white man's land which extended according to raffin from chesapeake bay to florida what is the meaning of this name white man's land had some compatriots of marson's already settled there there is some reason to suppose so even from the words used in the chronicle we can understand how interesting it would be to be able to determine the nationality of these first colonists however the sagas have not as yet revealed all their secrets there are probably some of them still unknown and as those which have been successively discovered have confirmed facts already admitted there is every reason to hope that our knowledge of icelandic navigation may become more precise another legend of which great part is mere romance but which nevertheless contains a foundation of truth relates that a certain jean obliged to quit iceland
in consequence of an unfortunate passion took refuge in the countries beyond vinland where in ten twenty seven he was found by some of his countrymen in ten fifty one during another expedition an icelandic woman was killed by some skrellings and in eighteen sixty seven a tomb was exhumed bearing a runic inscription and containing bones and some articles of the toilet which are now preserved in the museum at washington this discovery was made at the exact spot indicated in the saga which relates these events and which was not itself discovered until eighteen sixty three but the northmen established in iceland and greenland were not the only people who frequented the coast of america about the year one thousand which is proved by the name of the great ireland which was given to the white man's land as the history of madoc Oven proves that irish and the welsh founded colonies there regarding which we have but little information but vague and uncertain as it is m m d avzac and gufferel agree in recognizing its probability having now said a few words upon the travels and the settlements of the north men in labrador vinland and the more southern countries we must return to the north the colonies first founded in the neighborhood of cape farewell had not been slow in stretching along the western coast which at this period was infinitely less desolate than it is at the present day as far as the northern latitudes which were not again reached until our own day thus at this time they caught seals walrus and whales in the bay of disco there were a hundred and ninety towns counted then in westerbeck and eighty-six in Estabid, while at the present day there are far fewer danish settlements on these icy shores these towns were probably only inconsiderable groups of those houses in stone and wood of which so many ruins have been found from cape farewell as far as upper Navik, in about seventy-two degrees fifty minutes at the same time numerous runic inscriptions which have now been deciphered have given a degree of absolute certainty to facts so long unknown but how many of these vestiges of the past still remain to be discovered how many of these valuable evidences of the bravery and the spirit of enterprise of the scandinavian race are forever buried under the glaciers we have also obtained evidence that christianity had been brought into america and especially into greenland to this country according to the instructions of pope gregory the fourth there were pastoral visits made to strengthen the newly converted north men in the faith and to evangelize the Esquimaux and the indian tribes besides this m ryant in eighteen sixty five has proved incontrovertibly that the crusades were preached in greenland in the bishopric of Gauda, as well as in the islands and the neighboring lands and that up to fourteen eighteen greenland paid to the holy see tithes and st peter's pence which for that year consisted of twenty six hundred pounds of walrus tusks the norwegian colonies owe their downfall and ruin to various causes to the very rapid extension of the glaciers hayes has proved that the glacier of friar john moves at the rate of about thirty-three yards annually to the bad policy of the mother country which prevented the recruiting of the colonies to the black plague which decimated the population of greenland from thirteen forty seven to thirteen fifty one lastly to the depredations of the pirates who ravaged this already 
and feeble countries in 1418, and in whom some have thought they recognized certain inhabitants of the Orkney and the Faroe Islands, of which we are now about to speak. One of the companions of William the Conqueror named St. Clair or Sinclair, not thinking that the portion of the conquered country allotted to him was proportioned to in his merits, went to try his luck in Scotland, where he was not long in rising to fortune and honours. In the latter half of the fourteenth century the Orkney Islands passed into the hands of his descendants. About 1390, a certain Niccolo Zeno, a member of one of the most ancient and noble Venetian families who had fitted out a vessel at his own expense to visit England and Flanders as a matter of curiosity, was wrecked in the archipelago of the Orkneys, whither he had been driven by a storm. He was about to be massacred by the inhabitants when the Earl Henry Sinclair took him under his protection. The history of this wreck and the adventures and the discoveries which followed it, published in the collection of Remusio, had been written by Antonio Zeno, says Clement Sparkham, the learned geographer, in his threshold of the unknown region. Unfortunately, one of his descendants, named Niccolo Zeno, born in 1515, when a boy, not knowing the value of these papers, tore them up, but some of the letters surviving he was able from them subsequently to compile the narrative as we now have it and which was printed in venice in eight fifteen fifty eight there was also found in the palace an old map rotten with age illustrative of his voyages of this he made a copy unluckily supplying from his own reading of the narrative what he thought was a requisite for its illustration by doing this in a blundering way unaided by the geographical knowledge which enables us to see where he goes astray he threw the whole of the geography which he derived from the narrative into the most lamentable confusion while those parts of the map which are not thus sophisticated and which are consequently original present an accuracy far in advance by many generations of the geography even of niccolo zeno's time and confirm in a notable manner the site of the old greenland colony in these facts we have not only the solution of all the discussions which have arisen on the subject but the most indisputable proof of the authenticity of the narrative for it is clear that niccolo zeno the junior could not himself have been the ingenious concocter of a story the straightforward truth of which he could thus ignorantly distort upon the face of the map the name of Zishni, in which writers of the present day, and the chief among them, Mr. H. Major, who was rescued these facts from the domain of fable, recognized the name of Sinclair, appears to be in fact only applicable to his Earl of Orkneys. At this time the seas of the north of Europe were infected by Scandinavian pirates. Sinclair, who had recognized in Zeno a clever marina attached him to himself, and with him conquered the country of Frisland, the haunt of pirates, who ravaged all the north of Scotland. In the maps at the end of the 15th and the beginning of the 16th century, this name is applied to the archipelago of the Faroe Islands. A reasonable indication for Buash has recognized in the present names of the harbors and the islands of the archipelago a considerable number of those given by Zeno, finally the facts which we owe to the venetian navigator about the waters abounding in fish and dangerous from shallows which divide this archipelago are still true at the present day 
satisfied with his position zeno rode to his brother antonio to come and join him while sinclair was conquering the faroe islands the norwegian pirates desolated the shetland islands then called eastland nicolo set sail to give them battle but was himself obliged to fly before their fleet much more numerous than his own and to take refuge on a small island on the coast of iceland after wintering in this place zeno must have landed the following year in the eastern coast of greenland at sixty nine degrees north latitude in a place where was a monastery of the order of preaching friars and a church dedicated to saint thomas the cells were warmed by a natural spring of hot water which the monks used to prepare their food and bake their bread the monks had also gardens covered over in the winter season and warmed by the same means so that they were able to produce flowers fruits and herbs as well as if they lived in a mild climate there would seem to be some confirmation of these narratives in the fact that between the years eighteen twenty eight to eighteen thirty a captain of the danish navy met with a population of six hundred individuals at sixty nine degrees north latitude of a purely european type but these adventurers travels in countries of which the climate was so different from that of venice proved fatal to zeno who died a short time after his return to frisland an old sailor who had returned with the venetian and who said had been for many long years a prisoner in the countries of the extreme west gave to sinclair such precise and tempting details of the fertility and the extent of these regions that the latter resolved to attempt their conquest with antonio zeno who had rejoined his brother but the inhabitants showed themselves everywhere so hostile and opposed such resistance to the strangers landing that sinclair after a long and dangerous voyage was obliged to return to frisland these are all the details that have been left to us and they make us deeply regret the loss of those that antonio should have furnished in his letters to the father carlo on the subject of the countries which forster and malto brun have thought may be identified with newfoundland who knows if in his voyage to england and during his wanderings as far as thule christopher columbus may not have heard mention the ancient expeditions of the north men and the zeni and if this information may not have appeared to him a strange confirmation of the theories of which he held and of the ideas of whose realization he came to claim the protection of the king of england from the collection of facts which have been there briefly given it follows that america was known to europeans and had been colonized before the time of columbus but in consequence of various circumstances and foremost among these must be placed the rarity of communication between the people in the north of europe and those in the south discoveries made by the northmen when only vaguely known in spain and portugal judging by the appearance we of the present day know much more on this subject than did the fellow countrymen and the contemporaries of columbus if the genoel marina had been informed of the existence of some rumors he classed them with this information he had collected in the cape de word islands and his classical recollections of the famous island of antilia and the atlantides of plato from this information which came from so many different sides the certainty awoke with him that the east should be reached by the western route 
however it may be his glory remains whole and entire he is really the discoverer of america and not those who were carried thither in spite of themselves by chances of wind and storm and without their having any intention of reaching the shores of asia which christopher columbus would have done had not the way been barred by america the information that we are about to give on the family of Corterio, although it may be much more complete than which can be met with in biographical dictionaries, is still extremely vague. Nevertheless, we must content ourselves with it, for up to this time history has not collected further details concerning this race of intrepid navigators. Jean was Couturier was a natural son of a gentleman named Vasco on the Costa, who had received the sobriquet of Couturier from the King of Portugal on account of the magnificence of his house and followers. Devoted like so many other gentlemen of this period to sea-faring adventure, Jean was had carried off in Galicia a young girl named Maria de Abarca, who became his wife. After having been gentleman ushered to the infant Dom Fernando, he was sent by the king of the North Atlantic with Alvaro Martin's omen. The two navigators saw an island known from this time by the name of Terra do Basilaus, the land of codfish, which must really have been Newfoundland. The date of this discovery is approximately fixed by the fact that on their return they landed at Tercera, and finding the captainship vacant by the death of Jacome de Bruges, they went to ask for it from the Infanta Dona Brits, the widow of the Infante Dona Fernando. She bestowed it upon them on condition that they would divide it between them, a fact which is confirmed by a deed of gift dated from Evora, the 2nd of April, 1464. Though one cannot guarantee the authenticity of this discovery of America, it is nevertheless an ascertain fact that Corterio's voyage must have been signalized by some extraordinary event. Donations of such importance as this were only made to those who had rendered some great service to the crown. When Wall's Courtierial was settled at Tercera from 1490 to 1497, he caused a fine palace to be built in the town of Angra, where he lived with his three children. His third son, Gaspard, after having been in the service of King Emmanuel, when the latter was only Duke de Bourgeois, had felt himself attracted while still young to the enterprises of discovery which had rendered his father illustrious. By an act dated from Sintra, the 12th of March, 1500, King Emmanuel made a gift to Gaspard Couturier of any islands or terra firma which he might discover, and the king added this valuable information that already and at other times he had sought for them on his own account and at his own expense. For Gaspard Couturier, this was not his first essay. Probably his researches may have been directed to the parts where his father had discovered the island of Code. At his own expense, although with the assistance of the king, Gaspard Couturier fitted out two vessels at the commencement of the summer of 1500, and after having touched at Tessaria, he sailed towards the northwest. His first discovery was of a land of which the fertile and the verdant aspect seems to have charmed him this was canada he saw there a great river bearing ice along with it on its coast the st lawrence which some of his companions mistook for an arm of the sea 
and to which he gave the name of rio navarro its volume is so considerable that it is not probable that is this country is an island besides it must be completely covered with a very thick coating of snow to produce such a stream of water the houses in this country were of wood and covered with skins and furs the inhabitants were unacquainted with iron but used swords made of sharpened stones and their arrows were tipped with fish bones or stones tall and well made their faces and bodies were painted in different colours according to taste they wore golden and copper bracelets and dressed themselves in garments of fur Coterial pursued his voyage and arrived at the cape of Bacalaos fishes which were found in such great quantities upon this coast that they hindered the advance of the caravels then he followed the shore for a stretch of six hundred miles from fifty-six degrees to sixty degrees or even more naming the islands the rivers and the gulfs that he met with as is proved by terra do labrador bahia de concisao and the landing and holding intercourse with the natives severe cold and a veritable river of gigantic blocks of ice prevented the expedition from going farther north and it returned to portugal bringing bath with it fifty-seven natives the very year of his return on the fifteenth of may fifteen o one gaspard coterio in pursuance of an order of the fifteenth of april received provisions and left lisbon in the hope of extending the field of his discoveries from this time he is never again mentioned michael courtierial his brother who was the first gentleman usher to the king then requested and obtained permission to go and seek his brother and to pursue his enterprise by an act of the fifteenth of january fifteen o two a deed of gift conveyed to him the half of the terra firma and the islands which his brother might have discovered setting out on the tenth of may of this year with three vessels michael courtierial reached newfoundland where he divided his little squadron so that each of the vessels might explore the coast separately while he fixed the place of rendezvous but at the time fixed he did not reappear and the two other vessels after waiting for him till the twentieth of august set out on their return to portugal in fifteen o three the king sent two caravels to try to obtain news of the two brothers but the search was in vain and they returned without having acquired any information when vasco ans the last of the brothers coterio who was captain and the governor of the islands of st george and terceria and alcade more of the town of tavilla became acquainted with these sad events he resolved to fit out a vessel at his own cost and to go and search for his brothers the king however would not allow him to go fearing to lose the last of this race of good servants upon the maps of this period canada is often indicated by the name of terra de Cotirials, a name which is sometimes extended much further south embracing a great part of north america end of second part chapter three part one a